This message was presented at the GYC 2012 conference in Seattle, Washington. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Okay, we're going to begin with prayer. Doesn't it feel better now that you know somebody and that you feel good? Move up a little bit, you guys. Move up a little bit. Don't be afraid. Um, that way, people that come into your church late, um, they really, the, the, the Holy Spirit has brought them to church, but they don't want to come. They don't feel worthy. They don't feel appropriate. They don't, uh, they're not used to wearing a tie, maybe, or they're not used to wearing a suit. Um, and so they feel really awkward to come into your church. If all of the members fill the back rows, they're going to have to walk past you to come to the front. How many people are going to do that? Zero. I wouldn't want to come to your church. You don't even think about what it's like to be um, in the world, under conviction, God's telling you go to church, and the devil's telling you no, you don't want to be there. Also, mix it up. Don't sit in the, don't be predictable. You know, I can look in the congregation, and and -and so-and-so sits there every time. So-and-so sits there every time. You know, I mix it up. And if you're like me and you're ADD, you know, sit on the front row. I seriously, if I sit in the back, uh, man, I'm so distracted. I'm just, oh, oh, what are they doing? Oh, God, help me. You know? So anyway, we're going to start with prayer and we're going to begin. And Heidi's going to start our first session. Father in heaven, you're so amazing. Lord, you're so fun to be with. You created all of the wonderful things in nature that um, tell of your goodness and of your power and, and Lord, the, the majesty of heaven. And, Lord, you've created things like horses for us to ride. And when I'm on a gallop, I just get a thrill out of that. I love speed, Lord. Uh, you, you said that we're going to mount up with wings as eagles. We're going to be able to fly. What an amazing God you are. Lord, we ask that you would be with us here now. Not only that, we ask that you would empty us each of self and speak through us and that you would direct us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I think he's going he's gonna to make all of you come up to the front and he's going to give that little speech about how would you feel to come to the front row every time until it actually happens. <laughs> hey, we got a whole group on the front row. I know. I know. These guys started on the third row. Then like a few meetings ago, they were on the second row and now they're on the front row. So that's exciting. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to, to open up uh, the concept of witness without words today. And uh, for those of you who it's your first time, who, who is it? Uh, your first time here in our sonar. Okay, sweet. We've been talking about testimony and how to share our personal testimony, all the different aspects of our testimony, and we're going into the testimony of our witness without words. Uh, Sometimes it's not what we say, uh, it's what we don't say that means a lot. And just to share an illustration, I've had many people that have made an impact in my life uh, without words. And it's been powerful to see how that impact um, has changed even what I do or why I do it. And maybe you can think of someone in your life who has been an extreme witness uh, to you, even without saying a word. Uh, I don't know who pops into your mind first, but we'll have some time to share a little bit later about that. The one that I was thinking of this morning, I was thinking, okay, who is it in my life that I feel like has really witnessed to me without saying a thing? And I would have to say that it's this lady named Heather Crick. I don't know if anyone knows her, but she's the wife of uh, the publishing director in Central California. And I worked with their family for about four and a half years. And Heather, if you know, she's from South Africa. And she's a very reserved, kind, sweet lady uh, who doesn't often say a ton. But her life and her example is so powerful. Uh, Being around her, I remember some of the first times that I was around her. I'll be honest, and I mean, I would tell her this to her face. The first few times I was around her, I felt a little uncomfortable (laughs) because she didn't talk a lot, you know? And yet, the more and more I watched and listened and got to know her, the more I saw Jesus in her. And it was powerful. I remember one day, I was over at her house because 
she would invite me over sometimes, you know, just for a meal or something to get to know their family. And I remember she has two little daughters. They misbehaved somehow in the middle of lunch. And I was looking at her and kind of watching to see how was she going to respond to her little daughter, you know, making some, you know, thing in front of company and all that, you know. And she just said, Savannah. And Savannah came up to her and she started whispering in her ear. She was, and then Savannah's like, and she went and sat down. And that was it. And we didn't have any other problems for the rest of the meal, you know. <laughs> and, and over the course of the next few years, I saw the way she dealt with her children. Uh, her witness without words on parenting has changed my view of how to parent now. And it's powerful just to see that over a, over a few years, someone without even saying a word to, to me, she's been that influence in my life. And I know that there are many people that have done the same for you. And I also believe that we have some of the most beautiful examples in Scripture of people who were a witness without words. Um, turn in your Bibles to John seven thirty-two. I want you guys to read this verse, and then we're going to have a little bit of interaction and think about uh, what it is that really makes a witness a witness if there are no words connected with it. Uh, John chapter 7, and we're looking at verse 32. John seven thirty-two, And right here, this gives us the context. It says, The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Now pick up the story in verse 45. Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees after their errand, who said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. I know when the, when the officers came back, you know, they were supposed to be dragging Jesus, you know, and taking him back. But what was their biggest reason for not being able to bring him? The way you spoke, right? It stuck out to them. They said, no one's ever spoke like this before. We've never heard anyone like this. Um, the question really is, though, what do you think it was that gave Christ's words impact? What do you think it was that gave Christ's words impact? And I want to pass this out. Maybe you can help me, Ken. Um, I want to pass this out. And if each of you can take a paper, also um, break off into groups of, if you can, four, um, four or five. And after, after you read through this, actually, can I have one of them? Do you mind if I have one? Oh, do you mind? Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, as soon as everyone reads it, I just want to read through the first little section together, and then let's talk about it um, in our smaller groups and see what principles we can learn on being a witness or a testimony without words. Um, awesome. Does everyone have a paper? You don't? You need one? Okay, we need one right there, and we need a couple over here. Um, awesome. Has anyone read through the book, Help in Daily Living? Yes. Powerful book, huh? Uh, this is the first section of the book, Help in Daily Living. And if you haven't read through it, I recommend uh, getting it. Every part of the book has jewels in it. It's like, it's not where you read through a whole chapter and find that one paragraph that you highlight. It seems like with Help in Daily Living, you highlight every paragraph. <laughs> so, um, here, listen to this. It says, There is an eloquence far more powerful than the eloquence of words in the quiet consistent life of a pure, true Christian. What a man is has more influence than what he says. The officers who were sent to Jesus came back with a report that never a man spoke as he spoke. But the reason for this was that never a man lived as he lived. Had his life been other than it was, he could not have spoken as he did. His words bore with them a convincing power because they came from a heart pure and holy full of love and sympathy, benevolence and truth. I want you guys to take some time in your groups. Um, try to find a group. If you're just with two people, you may need to move around. Um, but let's do at least groups of four or five, um, if we can. And read through the next two paragraphs and think about this concept. 
I want to see what principles you feel like you can draw out of this on being a witness without words. What principles can we gain from Jesus' life on being a witness without words? So. And if you need pens to write down... Or paper. We have pens and paper. Can you just raise your hand and I'll bring you some pens. Awesome. Over here. Anybody need a pen? Discuss discuss not only the first paragraph, but um, as you're going into it, read the next two paragraphs and then discuss the whole thing. Um, so read through the next two paragraphs because they'll give you more insight and then discuss the whole thing. Yeah, your discussion is principles that you can draw from the whole page. just asking the question what principles you can draw from this on how to be a witness without words Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's kind of like the 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 aspect of comprehending what it's saying and then extracting the principles i guess yeah that that kind of idea
Do you think I can borrow this? Oh, I got lots. We passed out another, another form that I had on this at the last, so I want to make sure people actually have. Got it. Like there's something wrong with you. What we're doing, we're looking through this and extracting principles on how um, we can be a witness without words. Because this is kind of how Jesus was a witness without even saying a word to someone. Um, what principles can we draw from that? What we're doing right now. Yeah. She wants a paper. Oh, yes. All right, let's take some time to share. I'm going to have Ken go around with this roving mic. Um, what are some of the principles that you were able to extract uh, from this document uh, on being a witness, uh, witness without words? Um, by beholding Jesus, there's so many things that we can learn. And um, any principles that you were able to come up with that you want to share from what you read? Awesome. Um, the answer to it is sort of in the question, just being loving towards them, hmm. showing God's grace to them as God will show it to us. Hmm. That's being a Christian is yeah. what it does it. A loving and lovable Christian, like at the bottom? Yeah. Amen. No, that's true. Truly showing love is a really big, really big thing uh, that I've seen in my interactions with other people. Not so much what I say. What other principles did you guys grab? Over here. Um, just a second. We'll get it on the recording. You're going to be recorded. You're really on the front row. Okay, well, um, on the third paragraph, I find out that um, sometimes us as persons, we like to wear jewelry and crosses, but in life, I mean, I think that uh, we don't really have to wear all the stuff to represent that we are Christians. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have to have our... God only wants us to be us, pure, and without stuff, you know, to represent that we are Christians. Hmm. Hmm. That's good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Um, like, she, like she said, we don't need to uh, wear something like... Uh, I Something I marked right here in the third paragraph. The badge of Christianity is not an outward sign, not the wearing of a cross or a crown, but it, it is that which reveals the union of men with God. Hmm. Well, what I kind of got from this is that, um, you know, some people call themselves Christian, but they don't really know what Christ Christianity really means. Hmm. Like, um, it says right here, but it is that reveal the union of men with God. And, like, how can, how can I say this? Um, Christianity, you can't really wear it as a, like, um, like clothes. It's yeah. like something you have in your heart. With God. Huh. Yeah. That's good. It's something you have in your heart. We talked about how um, many people that claim that they are Christians, but they're not. Um, how we can um, um, share with them what Christ did for us in, in the sense that um, we... Um, we build and develop uh, that genuine relationship at home first mm. with Christ and then with our family. Um, and then uh, also when somebody asks us uh, why we are the way we are or do things we do, mm -hmm. um, we share with, with the scripture, you know, everything is for God's glory and how Christ's life influenced us so much that we want to be a reflectors hmm. of his love. Mm. Amen. Amen. The more, the more we are that silent witness, people will ask, won't they? They will. It's true. Any you know, other I was, principles? I was thinking about that when you were saying that, that the bus drivers on the outreach, hmm. man, they, hmm. the, um, a lot of buses were singing. Yeah. Um, 
the people that take care of our hotel rooms and and the bathrooms here. Yeah. Um, if you've gone to um, public fairs or anything that you've gone to, and they just trash the bathroom and and you know it's it put paper on it, and you go into any of our bathrooms and they're like, "Oh, this is pretty clean. What's going on?" <laughs> You know, it, it, we we don't understand really how many people mm-hmm. are watching. Yeah, that's true. You know, and that's and true. when we don't say, oh, I w- I'm really need to be aware that people are watching me. When we say, hey, I want to be aware that Jesus is watching me mm-hmm. every day. Yeah, amen, amen. Anybody Any else? Any other principles? Hey. Okay, I'm in the front. I'm just looking here at the second paragraph. Um, it says, in order to convince others of the power of Christ's grace. We must know its power in our own hearts and lives. The gospel we present for the saving of souls must be the gospel by which our own souls are saved. And, you know, I just think that a lot of the times, or sometimes, when, you know, we try and minister to other people through words, um, we don't always live up to that because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Hmm. And I'm just reminded of a couple who used to live on the campus where I work, and sometimes people would um, talk down about them because they they um, were very strict with their diet, and you know they didn't do this and that, and people thought um, you know that they were just kind of prude or whatever. But to to me, it really spoke to me because they didn't just say it; they actually lived it. Hmm. And um, I can't remember where the quote was, but Ellen White says that when, you know, we we share something with people, but we're not living it ourselves in our lives, it waters down our message that we present to people. And so um, that's another reason why sometimes, you know, doing it without words is way more powerful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at this first paragraph that says, the officers who were sent to Jesus came back with a report that never a man spoke as he spoke. But the reason for this was never man lived as he lived. And I was just sharing with my, with my group that the reason my dad's an unbeliever today is because he grew up in a Catholic school and he grew up in um, going to Catholic services and that. But all the people he looked up to and all the priests that spoke to him never lived the life that they preached, never practiced what they preached. And he became, like, he believed this idea that all Christianity is like that. We just preach a certain message, but we still live the, the lives that we want to live. Wow. And uh, it's very sad, but then it also makes me think of a one woman that goes to my church. Her name is Auntie Lindy. And uh, she doesn't say much, and she's also like a very quiet person, but every single Friday night, she goes out on the streets of Johannesburg, Alberton, and uh, she feeds the homeless. Every single, there's not a Friday night that she misses. Wow. And the thing is, she doesn't just feed them with like, here, here you go, here's a cup of soup, and yeah, you'll be fed with that. She goes out there and she gives them hugs, and she's gotten so close to each and every one of them. And like that in its own has been a powerful testimony to me mm. just seeing that I'm like, I mean I'm like wow like we've been with her a few times as a youth and uh, we get nervous you know it's our first time doing it and we only do it two or three times in a year and just like here's a cup of soup and you know, we're scared to speak to them but seeing her being so loving to them and seeing that they're just people and all they want for you is to have a conversation with you and, t- and let them know that you care mm. has helped me to be a more natural person around them and realize that they're just people too God loves them just as much as he loves us Amen. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. You want to know? I wonder if anyone has just a testimony of someone who's been a witness without words in their lives. Because I know these, these have been such an inspiration to me already. But do you, you have a testimony of someone who's actually been a witness without words in your life? Well, it happened to me, actually, that I, uh, I come from uh, Eastern Europe, Moldova. And Moldova. there... People um, uh, who are Seventh-day Adventists or Protestants, mainly they're more kind of looked down upon and persecuted. Um, and uh, it was powerful testimony when I was uh, staying in a dorm in high school and no one was SDA and I was wondering, God, can you please send me somebody to be a we- uh, to be a um, comforter for me? Mm. And... Uh, People, many people were mocking me, and uh, um, one day there was a, a girl who comes to me, and she saw, she's saying, "I see you do things differently, and you are so different. What makes you different?" And I told her, "You know, I'm an SDA, 
And she mm-hmm. said, oh, my grandma is an SDA. And she started seeing in front of other people that were Orthodox, she started praising SDA people, saying these are so nice, such nice people. You can't mm-hmm. believe and all the people were so shocked. Why, why would she say that? Because she's not SDA, but she was so influenced by her grandmother and other people that she saw that she was kind of, you know, uh, she probably wants to be in it, I don't know. But she, it was a powerful testimony, both for me and for her and for ours, how God can use non-SDA people to mm. share Christ. Mm. So. Mm. Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. Are there any other principles or maybe a witness without words that you want to share? Awesome. When I was newly married, my neighbor was an SDA, and I was not. And okay. <laughs> my mother told me to stay away from her at all costs because because <laughs> she was very strange. But she would come down and bring a loaf of bread and just love us and not say much. And she would at Christmas she'd bring a tract on Jesus. And then my son had eczema really badly, and he was very very time consuming and difficult. He would hide and scratch until he was bleeding and when she realized that she would come by she said may I take him to Sabbath school she said I'll give you two hours every morning of a break and every Saturday she picked him up and took him wow wow that's powerful I think one of the principles that sticks out to me the most is in the first line Uh, where it talks about consistency. Because in reality, you can be a witness without words, and then if the the one moment that you become inconsistent, you can lose all your influence. I don't know if anyone's experienced that before, but um, I believe that one of the the most key powers to Christ's life was the fact that he was consistent. It was something where he was constantly showing the same character, you know, always. It was the same character. And people could tell. And over, over that period of time of consistency, they said, wow, there is nothing more powerful than the life of consistency, um, of character and making those choices. Uh, that's how we can live a life that truly does uh, witness without words. I know uh, sometimes it's hard to, to witness to those around us who maybe don't believe the same way that we do. And I want to take some time to think about that this morning. There's, there's lots of illustrations and experiences that I'm sure we have all had, maybe in our own family, uh, in our workplace, people that we talk to, realizing that, you know, sometimes you want to say something so bad, but you think, oh, it may not be the best thing to say. <laughs> and <clears throat> I think we're all faced with that in, in some way, shape, or form. I know growing up, I grew up with this family I was best friends with the oldest daughter in the family. And they ended up coming into the Adventist church when all of the kids were teenagers. And it was the mom's decision to come into the church. And she wanted all of her kids to be baptized, you know. And the husband was not interested in joining the Adventist church at all. Uh, It was definitely the mother's choice. She wanted to do it. All the kids, they were just, you know, younger and they decided to get baptized. They started going to the church, and yet all of the changes were, were really hard to make. You know, growing up with, with one way, and then all of a sudden it's like doing a, a 180. Uh, it was one of the hardest things. And I remember seeing the, seeing the rebellion in those kids' lives against this change that had just happened in their lives. And uh, the mom, she was just trying, you know, trying to share. I know that she meant well, but she was not a witness without words. She was a witness with words. And, you know, even though she didn't say it in necessarily a bad way, um, you know, her tone was fine. All of those things were fine. It was just her hearts, the hearts of her children weren't open to receive. And she, she was trying to figure out why, you know, nothing was working. Like, why aren't they understanding, you know? And um, 
I, I still don't know if she knows why. <laughs> um, and yet, I know a lot of people have come into this type of um, situation. What do you do with someone even who's in your church who may not have the same experience with Jesus that you do? Um, what, what do you do you know, to be able to understand and relate with them? Uh, there's, there's a principle that I was thinking of in the Bible. There's a couple principles I want to look at and think about. I don't want to just give you principles. I have verses for all the things that I'm going to talk about because I think that we should get our principles from the Bible. So I have lots of experiences that I could share, but I'd rather just share a few Bible verses and say, what can we learn from this? So that's what we're going to do today, if that's okay with you. <laughs> um, but the first one that I want to look at is actually in 1 Peter. Sorry, in 1 Peter chapter 3 um, and verses 1 and 2. There's just been a few things that have come to my mind when it comes to being a witness to those who, I guess you could, it's, it's hard to class them as those who do not believe, but I think you understand what I mean. <laughs> um, what to do. And this, of course, is in the context, uh, it's, it's in a very um, specific application context, but I think there's principles that we can gain out of this passage for all of our experiences in life. And it's 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. That's interesting, huh? <clears throat> being, being submissive. Going down a little bit farther, it talks about how the holy women who trusted in God um, were submissive to their own husbands. And in, in this whole context here, it's just, it's just their conduct that's something that can be winning, right? Um, it says that they without a word might be won uh, by the conduct of, of their wives. Um, and I think that that's something that can happen in our own lives too, that we can be winning simply by what we do. Um, I love the testimony of our sister here in purple, um, and what she shared about over there in Moldova. Um, and I, I believe that God wants to do that with all of us. Um, there's another one that I think of too, uh, and it's in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, and we're looking at verse 36. Luke chapter 5 and verse 36. These are, this is one that I want you to talk about with your group. Uh, but these, these principles, or this principle, has, has hit home a lot in the past few years. I work with a lot of young people, and uh, during the summer, I know Ken does too. You probably work with young people more than old people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. It's great. Um, but I guess old people, you know, what is old? Methuselah was like, you know, Methuselah was old. No one in this room is old. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but some of the things that I've run into with these young people that I've been working with is just realizing that we're all at different stages in our Christian experience. And, you know, how to actually witness to them and not, not just be that person that's saying, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Because that can be a real turnoff. I don't know if, if anyone's ever done that to you, but I know that that happened to me growing up. And it, it was hard uh, to, to actually want to change. When I actually did come to the Lord and I had that experience of love, I can tell you one of the hardest things was doing what I knew was right because I didn't want to have my parents say, I told you so. Do you know what I mean? That was the one thing holding me back. And, it's, and we don't ever want to give anyone a reason for that. <laughs> um, but go into your groups, read, read Luke uh, chapter 5, verses 36 through 39, and ask yourself, what principles can we extract from these verses? Um, in the context of witnessing and sharing with others. So, uh, share with each other. Luke chapter 5, verse 36 uh, to 39. Why don't we take some time to share? If anyone has studied Christ's Object Lessons comments on this, uh, it will probably make life a little bit easier (laughs) for you. Um, but if not, it'll be good for us to share and pick it apart together. 
Um, but if you could explain this passage and how, how it gives us principles of sharing with other people and why sometimes people are like so opposed to listening and why other people accept it so easily. Um, why, why is there a need to, to witness without words with some people, um, whereas other people are so receptive to anything that you say? Uh, what are the differences? Uh, what, what did you guys come up with? Anyone want to share? All right, sweet. And then we got one in the back. I think sometimes, I mean, all the time, I think it's important for us to to consider where they're coming from, Hmm. um, to see it through their eyes. Because if I expect that you're going to understand it just like I expect you to, then, you know, I will be disappointed, the other person will be offended. So I think it comes with, like you were saying earlier, the spirit of love. Hmm. And if... You know, if we have a spirit of love, then it makes us considerate. It filters our words, our actions, our reactions. Uh-huh, yeah. And I think that's what it is really that helps people become receptive. Because hmm. hmm. love is beautiful. Yeah. To hear, to receive. Yeah, amen, amen. We had one in the back over there. Principles that we can draw from this. I'm going to try to put this into words. It's okay, I know. We had an interesting discussion. My first thought was, is this the right chapter? <laughs> really? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Just being honest. Totally fine. And so as we started to pick this apart, you know, we talked about someone coming to the message for the first time. I don't know if I'll find the words. You know, are we giving them just a structure, a set of rules, a set of ideals that we think they should follow? Hmm. Or are we living a life that... Do you remember? <laughs> are, are we living a life that actually renews their heart so they become mm. the new vessel into Good. which we want to put a living, a new message, mm. you know, the love of Christ into that? Because if, if their hearts are hardened, if they're brittle from their experience in the world, and then we come with a message that's not... It's new to them, but it's not quite the renewing message of Christ. Yes. That bottle can burst. It can yes. really be a bad experience. Yes. But if we have a way to live, if we've been transformed, yeah. and we can live that before them, their heart is renewed, and then they're really ready for that gospel yes. message, that can lead them to all of these other structural yes. kind of things that we talk about. Yes. So that was really exciting to me to come to that, having started with, what? <laughs> <laughs> For years, I never understood this parable or this analogy. For years. didn't stick. Uh, when we read it about the, the new bottles, uh, my co-worker's uh, ex-boyfriend works at a winery. Okay. And they make new barrels for each uh, wine batch that they press. Uh-huh. And once the barrel's over with, they can never put new wine into it because it ruins it. Because the wine that, can't, that is originally locked in the barrel forms with the wood and it makes a particular flavor wow. so once they're done with that barrel wow. they cannot they, they have to get rid of it it goes off to whatever they destroy and they have to make new ones because it'll ruin the new grapes if they try to reuse the barrel hmm. and when you ask how does that work with us i mean I, I tell my youth class all the time like i cannot particularly with words convert my non-christian friends because the dirt they did back in the day i participated in it with them hmm. So for me to make an impact in their lives as I progress in my faith, it has to be a silent one. Hmm. It has to be one that they can see and not really, and maybe experience through vision because, you know, they can always say, oh, back in the day we did this together. And I'm like, yeah, we did. <laughs> and so yeah. words, I can't use words with them. And I say, you know, you're always going to come to a point, especially with like friends and family, hmm. where how you live your life is going to be more of an impact to them than what you say to them. Hmm. Because, you know, like family and friends are usually, especially friends, if you're young, are the ones who know what you do when your parents aren't looking. <laughs> so to make an impact with them, if you're truly turning your life to Christ, it has to be something they can see visually. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, witness. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Any other observations on this passage that you guys want to share? It's, it's interesting to think about the new wineskin and the old wineskin concept 
I think the Lord gave you words to say, both of you. <laughs> um, and it's, it's something that I've seen a lot uh, with friends. Like the more and more we all progress in our walk with God, uh, the more and more we'll see, you know, the progression in other people's lives as well. And the thing that I've noticed, bottom line, is if someone doesn't have a new heart, I cannot say, please don't do this. It's very hard to say, oh, don't do that. You really, really don't do that. It's not good for you. Even if you say it with love. Because their heart isn't renewed enough to receive. But once it is renewed, anything that people say is easy to take. <laughs> you know? You can take anything because your heart is new. Therefore, new wine can come in. And um, again, it reminds me of just the first step of an experience with Jesus. It's not all the do's and don'ts. It really isn't. Um, it's experiencing a love relationship with Jesus because that love motivates us to do anything that he asks us to do. You know, we, we will literally do anything he asks us to do because we love him. And that's the experience that we need to pray for our friends and family, non-Adventists, those who don't really maybe have the same experience in our own lives. Um, that, that is something that I desire. How about you? <laughs> In, in closing, I'll just share one or two things and then I'll have Ken come up. Um, our witness to the world. We've talked about the individual witness to our family and friends, people that are around us. But what about the world? Um, just people that randomly see us. And a thought hit me the other day that I just want to throw out to you guys. Um, living, living like an Adventist. I don't know if this makes sense, but... Living, living in such a way that people can know simply by looking at my life without words, can they know by looking at my life that Jesus is coming soon? If they just looked at it, if they looked at my life and no words ever came through, would they know that Jesus was coming soon? Because that's being an Adventist. Really. It's showing the whole world that Jesus is coming soon. Um, and could people look at my life and say that? That's another witness without words concept to think about. Um, as well as, I think it's doubled or coupled with, can they look at my life and know that I love Jesus? You know? Um, can they really look at your life and nothing that you say, but do they know without a shadow of a doubt if they were talking about you to someone else? It's like, oh, that person loves Jesus. Like, I know they love Jesus. And I know that they believe that he's coming soon because of the way that they live, you know? Um, what, what kind of witness do we have? The testimony that we share is sometimes a wordless testimony. And the testimony of God's working can be seen in your life. Uh, just the way you live, uh, showing that love to other people. I'll let Ken come up and close. Um, but keep those things in mind. Take these papers with you. Think about that. Pray about it. Um, ask God to give you that quiet, consistent life of a loving and lovable Christian. Some of the experiences that I've shared with you in the last um, few sessions have been be when I was um, a welder and I was a church member and it, it wasn't until, you know, I, I grew into becoming a, a teacher and then I was a pastor and, and the reason why I share those is because, you know, a lot of times you, you, we, we give the label, oh, you're a pastor, you're supposed to do that. And and so I know what it was like um, not being a Christian and then giving my heart to Jesus and then going to church and going to work every day and, and being a Christian. And one of the best compliments I think that I got from work uh, was when someone came up to me and said, what's with you? And I said, what do you mean? He says, you know, you, you, don't, you don't party. He says... Um, I, I've been watching you. You don't swear. Um, you don't smoke or drink. I mean, you're not chasing wild women. How do you have any fun and yet you're happy? What What is with you? And, you know, I didn't honestly know that he was even watching me. And so that prayer time that I had every morning, I'd get up an hour before 
I went to work and I would spend that hour with Jesus. And, and I was like, Jesus, thank you that, that they could see you and not me. Because I'll lead someone to hell if people looks to me. You will too. You know, if I look to you, I mean, you, 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 your dad looked at a priest and, and he's on the path to hell. Your prayers are going to change that path. You know, where Satan comes and says, listen, um, this guy has said no to the Holy Spirit and, and leave him alone. He said no. He's been burned. Wait a minute. I'm not be- here on behalf of anybody but his son. He's been praying. Get out of my way. Intercessory prayer is powerful. That's another testimony, another silent witness that we need to be aware of. And think about your body language, too, when you're around other people. For instance, do you come into church or do you come into GYC and do you put your Bible to the left of you on the seat that somebody could take, but now they can't take it because... They look and they say, oh, there's some clothes there. Or are, are there's your books there. And as what we say by that is, we want our space. This is my space. So somebody has to come along and says, uh, ma'am, has anybody taken that? There's a purse there. Oh, you know, um, and, 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 and somebody that, that is new to your church isn't going to do that. You're saving that seat. That, or, or you don't want anybody sitting by you. That's just too close for you. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to either figure out a way to, to cut, take a chainsaw and cut our pews <laughs> and, and, and space them out more, or we need to put our things underneath our seat so that we can say, I'm safe. I took a shower this morning. I used deodorant. I'm okay. You know, come on. I'm safe. I, another silent witness that I, um, I, 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 I moved next to a man that was living with a woman, and he was a very successful businessman. He was a builder, and his house was gorgeous. And my house was just, um, you know, not, it, was, it was just a little ranch, uh, Nothing, nothing to speak of. It, I kept my yard clean. I kept my yard neat. Isn't that a silent witness, you guys? Do you have trash in your yard? Do, do, do you keep your rooms clean? Do you, are, are, are you organized? Would angels enjoy being in your room? Because it says that angels love organization and cleanliness because heaven is operated by those principles. In the children of Israel, when they set up camp, they knew their place. They knew how to tear down their camp and when to leave and how to leave. You know, I couldn't speak to my neighbor. I don't know why. I tried to, and I'd, I'd, I'd try to talk to him, and he just... He had no use for me whatsoever. And I was just praying, and, and, and I'm reading my Bible, you know, about my neighbor. To love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm, I'm praying, I'm saying, dear God, please, I can't, I, I, I've tried to go to his house, I've tried to witness to him, nothing. For weeks now, I, I prayed about it, and one day I was coming home from prayer meeting. And his girlfriend um, his live-in, you know, um, she was ahead of me. And there was a tremendous snowstorm in Harbor Springs, Michigan. And it would, it would snow 18 inches that night. And it was wild. And when it's coming down that fast, those of you that live up north and know what I'm talking about, you've got to get home quick because you're, you won't even be able to get into your driveway. I have a snowplow, and I know my neighbor Jack has gone for the weekend on business. And she's home alone. And my wife and I are there, and and I said, God, would you please help her get stuck? Would you please help her get stuck? 
Sure enough, she, I'm driving, my driveway's first, and she's creeping along, and she tries to turn, and, and the snow, she's in a van, and she goes off the road, and she's stuck, and she can't move. I buzz into my, I mean, I just turn my little Reliant K Dodge, you know, and I just zip it in my driveway, and I go get my um, snowblower, and I blow out to her and get her out of her car, blow it all the way to her house, got her groceries, got all her stuff in, blowed her entire yard, her entire driveway, which is a whole lot more than I was. I mean, mine. And it was a couple of hours and I was done, finally. Jack and I became best friends. He helped me build an addition on my house. He, he, he I, I didn't have to say anything. Um, I was able to give him the great controversy and it wasn't a paperback book. I went to the store and I bought the best great controversy, the hardbound, and I gave him that gift and I would share in my produce and we became friends. Your witness doesn't have to be in words. Let's pray and we're going to take a break. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for the way you're able to live in our lives, the way you're able to minister to other people through us, Lord, when we realize that the uh, old is not worth keeping. Oh, we want to die to self right now. Amen, everyone? And we want you to make us new, creating us a clean heart and a right spirit. And Lord, we want to just give you, because you give us the power to choose, we want to give you permission to be God in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.